You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to Radio Free Oleander. What's Radio Free Oleander? I thought this was People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I thought this was Black Clock Audio Tales. Hey, isn't this the uh, mirror site for articulate warbling? Hey, I'm a millennial or younger. What's a mirror site? Anyway, I will answer those questions accordingly. Yes, 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 yes. And back in the days when people didn't have bandwidth, uh, they would, uh, other people would volunteer to have all the information from another site on their site. So, you know, if your site got too many people on it and couldn't handle all of it, then this mirror site would take over this. Anyway, um, that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is Radio Free Oleander, which is a showcase of the greatest shows that... Oleander, Oregon, the city of Oleander, I'm supposed to say the city of Oleander? Okay, the city of Oleander, Oregon has to offer. And what's the city of Oleander, Oregon? How come I've never heard of it? Well, it's nestled between, not Kellogg, uh, Kelso and Boring, Oregon on Highway 26 in Clackamas County. Uh, Dave's going to be talking about it more later. And I am in the process of, just put that anywhere, I'm in the process of moving currently, and uh, I'm not naming names, but someone dropped a big old thing of guitars. Why do I have a big old thing of guitars? I don't know. I have a lot of stuff, which kind of worries me about moving into a 600-square-foot house in the uh, middle of nowhere, Oregon. Anyway, so this show will be a collection of all the best shows. What, what kind of shows does this uh, radio station have? Well, um... Their most popular show is a podcast that you've probably heard on this uh, very RSS feed. Uh, it's called Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. And I produce it for Dave, and Dave plays it on this radio station. And uh, it's like, wait a minute, I want to get in on that. So I talked to the station manager. The station manager set me up. I have some minor work that I'm going to be doing for the mayor. And yeah. It's uh, it's it's exciting. The mayor said he can get me an additional job, maybe if I need uh, like health insurance or something like that. Would not hold my breath. The uh, mayor seems like a strange fellow. Uh, talked to the mayor quite a bit over the phone, and uh, the mayor sent me recordings. Uh, sends me old audio cassettes. I need to start talking to people about um, email. Because Dave used to mail me those big clunky cassettes. And uh, the mayor, who just says, just call me the mayor in his scraggly, craggly voice, he, uh, sends me old, uh, like, micro cassettes. Anyway. <sighs> so, yeah, I'm packing up and moving. And this part of the show generally would be the part of the show where I would talk to an expert about something or I would talk about like media or something that I really enjoy, video games, uh, maybe something about how progressive rock is the weird fiction of audio. I don't know, something like that. Uh, maybe talk about graphic novels and different types of graphic novels than what Dave talks about. Dave, I don't know, Dave's tastes are Dave's tastes, my tastes are my tastes. And you know, I, I feel a lot of people's tastes fall in between ours. So, yeah, this is this is this is my section that I would I would generally talk about this stuff or maybe this is the section that I would introduce things, maybe this is the section that I would do a lot of stuff, but this is the introduction right now. I'll get into the part where I would talk about my stuff when I talk about my stuff. All right. Here we go. Uh in a little bit we're going to be talking to Dave, but here is the part where we would have a theme song if we had a theme song. If you have a theme song, send it in. Uh, contact us at pgttcm.com, or why don't you just uh, send it through a message over Facebook or something like that? That'll work, right? Zach sends me stuff. Zach from Articulate Warbling. Check out Articulate Warbling. Zach from Articulate Warbling sends me stuff through Facebook all the time. And if you're just sending us a, uh, a song, you know, it doesn't have to be long. It could just be like 20 seconds. I'll chop it up and uh, make it three seconds. Uh, no, no, no. If it's a good song, I'll, I'll play all 20 seconds of it. Anyway, so here's this part, and uh, we're going to flash forward to a little bit later, about uh, 45 minutes into the future, where Dave is helping me move into my place. Radio. 
not really going to be the, the theme song. We, you can write something. You can send it in. Or I can do another one. Thank you for listening. This is 1130 AM, KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. The time is whatever it says on your phone. The weather is whatever it is outside. Public radio. Hey everyone, it's uh, it's 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 me and me and Dave. We're just figuring out audio right now. I got our lavaliers on, hooked up to our phones, and we're just. Uh, D- Dave showed me around Oleander. Uh, the previous segment, I talked about moving and everything like that. We put the boxes in the car, but here we are right now, uh, kind of in. I don't know, uh, Dave. Wh- what do you describe this part of town as? This this is downtown. Okay. So this is this is the. I mean, it went through a lot of revision in the 1920s, uh-huh. but this is, and it's about a mile to your uh, to the west is Clackamas, uh, the Clackamas River. Okay. But this is, you know, pretty much where uh, Josiah Oleander in the 1890s started the town. But a lot of it's been revisioned since uh, the 1920s. Okay. Now, um, just you know, people are are listening here. Uh, we are. Practicing um, safe uh, podcasting, yep. uh, social distancing. So we're actually talking. We're about six feet away, and uh, we're wearing our mask. Hi, hi. You didn't see that, people. So you, you didn't think it was as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> but DB thought it was funny. But yeah, so we're actually talking on our cell phones. Just you know, we're doing our part. Yep. Yeah. No, I can. I can wave and uh people who are slowly driving past uh one thing i like about this town is not a lot of people drive i uh, I assume that was kind of the case before everything Uh, a lot of bicycle traffic a heck of a lot of foot traffic and yeah every once in a while you see like i don't know teenagers on horses like 4-h and stuff like that it's it's nice out here yeah and um uh, there is uh occasionally because down, you know, we're not too far away from Clackamas County, uh, Amish land. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and every once in a while, the Amish will come in town. So the Clackamas County Amish is, is a very interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, they are called, sometimes called the Hezekiahites because uh, a guy who was Amish, uh, Hezekiah, in 1920s, 30s, mm-hmm. uh, he got this vision from God. Okay. And God basically told him, God didn't want him to spend another winter in Pennsylvania. Okay. So he and his families, they basically moved out away from the Pennsylvania winter. Yeah. And uh, established uh, land in um, Clackamas County. Huh. Uh, now that's next to, and it's next to the traditional Druid land. And honestly, that's going to be a that's going to be a story for another show. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, speaking of, so the, since we're kind of talking about the um, Clackamas County Amish land and Clackamas County Druid land is traditionally divided by the Crap River. Okay. Uh, and that's spelled K R A P P. And Crap, uh, uh, Ebenezer Crap, he was the actual, the original uh, surveyor of what would become Oleander. And it starts about five miles up in the, the Seven Hill area. Okay. And so all mm-hmm. the water runs down from the Seven Hills, mm-hmm. it runs down Crap Creek. And then it runs down here, and do you see it right over there where all those walking bridges are? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's where it's divided. And then it, it runs into um, to, to the Clackamas River. Okay. Uh, now, it depends on how much rain we get. So it can be pretty full or it can be dry. It, it, it varies from, you know, season to season. But uh, the story is that, you know, the, the Crap Creek has its own, own monster. It's called Crappy. Uh-huh. And it kind of looks, it's like a large um, <coughs> alligator, but it's got a human scaly, you know, torso. And, and, you know, I've never seen it, but people say it like runs out in front of, People, especially uh, Crap, uh, Crap Creek, it uh, parallels Quantrell Road. Uh-huh. The story is, you know, it'll run out in front and make cars swerve and crash. But uh, there's also, um, again, I've not come across it myself, but the story is that, you know, since the 60s or so, um, bobcats and lynxes, and I actually have seen a, a lynx up in the hills once. Okay. Will, um, 
just dead, strangled. And uh, the story is that Crafty got him. Okay. So you know we got our we have, we have our we have our own you know monster, even though it's you know crappy. <laughs> okay. So um, maybe so you, maybe uh, while, while we're just checking equipment, you want to tell people about your new house and uh, what it's next to? Oh yeah, no, uh, we just uh, oh what what it's the Oleander Mansion, I think it's yeah. called. Is yeah okay. I I just know it's the the mansion in Oleander. I couldn't remember if it was named after the named after the town founder or something like that. Yeah. So so uh, after we made quite a bit of money, Josiah. Oleander built it uh, when he got married to um, uh, Helena uh, uh, Goody. Uh, and so he built her a mansion so that they could live in. Okay. Yeah, and um, apparently uh, there's a huge cemetery out behind it, and I live in the caretaker cottage uh, with my family out back. So. <laughs> And uh, my partner, she takes care of the mansion, and um, yeah, we contract the garden, or the city contracts the garden. I'm not allowed in the mansion. Uh, she is, and yeah, I thought we were going to be living in a mansion, but no, we're living in a 533 square foot uh, cottage in the middle of a graveyard. I think it may be uh, where he, the crematorium used to be. <laughs> Could have been. Uh, uh, has she ever said anything unusual happening in the mansion? Uh, no, we just moved in. I don't even know if she's even uh, busted out the cleaning supplies yet. Okay, and I, I just asked. That you know, nothing. It's not like something unusual ever happened. Yeah. There. Okay. So, uh, so glorious resurrection. Uh, it, it is often uh, referred to as the cemetery that built Oleander. Uh, and I know, uh, I don't know. That, oh, I'll tell you the story, even if I've told it to you before, because sure. you know, I tend to tell stories. So, so um, Josiah Oleander, um, he was born in either Arkansas, Missouri, around 1840s, and he joined. He fought for the South uh, in the Civil War, but he didn't wear a uniform. He he was a. I don't. Are you familiar with a, what a bookwasher? Uh, buck, uh, Oh, uh, book washer. Bushwhacker? Bushwhacker, thank yeah. you. I just, my mind just completely froze up, thank you. I, I, I know the I, phrase, I know the phrase, but I don't know, like, the cultural significance, just like Bushwhacker Bill or something like that. Yeah, so they were, they were uniform, they were ununiformed soldiers. So they had rank, they had, were, had pay, but they did not wear uniforms, and they attacked civilians and Union Army. Uh, and the most famous of Quantrell's Raiders were Frank and Jesse James. Okay. And so the techniques that they used to rob banks and to rob trains, they learned as, as Quantrell Raiders. Okay. And they describe Josiah, who was you know, part of their, their unit, as the most unfriendly and unpleasant person they'd ever met. Jeez. Yeah, you know how how awful a human being you have to be that you know uh, Frank and Jesse James don't like you. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty awful. <laughs> so, so, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so for the next, so after they lose the Civil War, the story is that he he basically helps supply uh, Booth's assassination attempt on. On Lincoln, but I think it was just stories they told later. Okay. But um, so he keeps running his short cons and you know causing a problem, petty robbery, and they keep pushing him west. Okay. To escape whoever's chasing him, until he hits the Pacific Ocean in San Francisco, and and sometime in like early uh, 1890s, mm -hmm. 1880s. He is actually run out of San Francisco because he cheated in a poker game with Mark Twain, uh, Ambrose Bierce, and, and Bret Hart. Okay. <laughs> the, the writer, not the, the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I figured as much. Uh, and so uh, the, he had the Pacific Ocean. So he had his choice. Was he going to go to Hawaii 
or was he gonna go north? And, and there was no boats leaving for Hawaii. So he basically went up north. Okay. And he con he ended up in Portland, and he basically made a deal with the founding fathers or the or the city fathers. And he said, "Hey," and it wasn't just Portland, but a lot of cities at that time were not comfortable burying their dead in the city proper. Now okay. there are some cemeteries in Portland, but a lot of them they would take down what we now call I think it was Couch Street. And they would put them, take them on boats to get them on the other side. Just uh, got to stop you there. As a uh, lifelong Portlander, it's pronounced Cooch Street. Cooch Street. Cooch Thank Street. You. Yeah, no, I did just you. just had to let you know. <laughs> so, so I think it's, it's good. So I, I think it was Cooch, which, which what they call the, you know, the river of the dead. They would, sure, sure. Every day they would be bringing down the bodies. Okay. Just to get it out of the city. And so, um, so um, uh, Josiah Oleander says, well, hey, you give me, I'll make you a deal. You give me control this railroad for this area for about 30 miles. You give the county to give me land, and I'll build a cemetery. And you do not have to, you know, you don't have to uh, worry about your dead anymore. And so that's what the railroads were originally run into Oleander to transport the dead. And I think they say that there's there's about 22,100 people buried on a hundred acre. Um, uh, uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, you live next to it. It's a nice cemetery. It's, it's huge. Long design. It's huge. I, 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 I have a hard time fathoming how many dead people are here. And I remember as a kid, it's like two myths that I grew up with where the railroad of sticks and the, uh, Shanghai tunnels. And I find out the one that I thought was real was fake. And the one that I thought was fake was real. And it's like, there used to be a railroad that was just for moving dead bodies from Portland, and <laughs> that's the real one. That's so crazy. Yeah, and um, yeah. So and so there's over twenty two thousand people buried, and they still they don't actively get new bodies in. Yeah. But they still people die, and they still bury them. There's room. Sure. So there are a thousand people living in Oleander proper. Yes. And maybe on county land, like the farms on county land, um, there's another thousand people. Um, so there are 11 times for every person living here, there are 11 dead bodies. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> and, 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 you know, even up, up to like World War II, yeah. people in Portland would, let's go visit the dead and they would, you know, take the train or take a day trip up to Oleander. Oh, it's gorgeous. To walk through the cemetery. Yeah, no. A, a thriving committee you know, sold food and, and things to them. So, you know, it was up to the... A little bit before World War II. Yeah, no, I, I, I grew up in Portland, and in my 20s, I lived over by the Lone Pine, uh, Lone Fir Cemetery, where I know a lot of people like to go during the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and go take photos. And I love it there. And for me, it's like it's like having an even, you know, when I lived in Eugene, Oregon, I, I was really close to the, uh, the campus graveyard, and I used to go around there and photograph stuff and take uh, recordings of night sounds and, you know, just love graveyard sounds and now this is great i get to I, I don't know it's 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 it feels like graveyard as far as the eye can see except for like the big ominous house <laughs> but other than that it's great <laughs> yeah, no, if, um, no, if, if you like graveyards uh, you hit the jackpot oh yeah okay so um okay and oh uh, so we're sort of walking here so here is this is the statue of uh, Josiah Oleander. Where's the statue? And if you didn't notice, it's just boots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, thank you for listening to Radio Free Oleander. Unfortunately, it's not free to make. So, here are some of the people who helped make the show Uncle Owen's Goat Farm, Flyswatter Guitars. Bevan Buster's Busy Biscuit Business. Articulate Warbling. Listeners like you. And a vast conspiracy to keep you busy instead of paying attention to what's going on. Paid for by oil. Maybe. I don't know. It's a vast conspiracy. So, so the statue was torn down in the 20s or 30s. Okay. And the local legend says it was torn down by Sasquatch. All right. So, 
Okay. Um, recently, and I mean, COVID-19 has changed everything, but there was an attempt, again, to sort of make, you know, Oleander seemed like sort of this sort of hipster mecca art place, you know, mm-hmm. this sort of quaint town for people of Portland to come and, you know, uh, spend their money and buy, buy arts and stuff. And, you know, I can say that mocking all I want, but uh, I live because people, people buy goat cheese in Portland. I mean, so, you know. And goat soap. <laughs> yeah, goat soap. So, you know, so, um, and this is on hold a little bit for COVID-19. Sure. They've been, this is the old town. Um, and so here is, this is one of my favorite places, uh, uh uh, in Old Town, we can go in afterwards, but this is uh, this is a comic chameleon. Comic chameleon. Yeah, okay. And you see, it's 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 a comic book store, but you know, it's also it's a game store. Well, according uh, to the sign outside, companies. according to the sign outside, Dave, it says comic, 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 comic chameleon. Yeah, but I don't pronounce it. <laughs> you know, we've already we've already established that Dave mispronounces words on this show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know, uh, and, and it's nice. So you know, they you do. Uh, uh, they've got back rooms that you can know have uh, role role playing games. So this is where we we do our weekly games. Uh, there's anime and stuff. Uh, uh, yep. You know, De- uh, Dennis O'Neill runs it. He, he's just a nice guy. But this is where we, well, this is where we run our, um, uh, uh, our, uh, our weekly uh, role-playing games. Cool. Very cool. And then here, so this is, um, trying to, because uh, she might be listening. How is it? So, Joe, I, I mentioned that. Uh, Josiah Oleander was married, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was married. He basically stole a, a, a rival's wife. Okay. Um, and But they have children. And so Josiah's great-great-granddaughter is Felony Oleander. Hmm. And this is, so this is her, her art shop. Okay. Or her, or her, you know, what do you call, art boutique or our art gallery and there's some there's some local stuff that's pretty good stuff but she got some pretty high-end stuff that nobody here in oleander is going to buy all right so it's not marketed to people like you and me i shouldn't say that but you know so it's people that buy things there have -hmm. a lot more money than you and i do or are exposed or free free you know free access to cash type thing that they can you know buy things but um the last decade, uh, and she, uh, a very nice person, very attractive person too, um, but very nice person. I, you know, I met her a couple of times. But the last three years, they've been raided by the FBI. Hmm. Uh, but um, she got off completely. The, the, the FBI have never been able to prove, uh, you know, uh, art forgery or uh, art stealing, um, you know, or art smuggling. Uh, but um, but yeah, yeah, I mean it's a it's a nice place. Nice. Now, <laughs> have you? I'm gonna just say this, and, and, and I am in no way racist. I, I don't see me as a racist person. Okay. But people of Oleander, let's face it, we're kind of it's a small gene pool. Sure. And, and not necessarily in a bad way. But have you noticed something about a lot of the people here that look maybe the similar? Uh, I yeah no no. What I notice about this town is uh, it's it's small and yeah that's that's what I've noticed about it. <laughs> yeah, but but you notice that that a lot of people have red hair and blue eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really noticed that. Um, yeah, and they are. You should probably fit in pretty well. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Josiah and, and Helena were both red-eyed, blue-eyed, and they brought red-eyed, blue-eyed people in. They actively, proactively encouraged in the, you know, up till 1910, 
for red eye, which is apparently the rarest hair eye combination on the planet. Interesting. That's that's right. So you're going to notice that a good portion of people in Oleander are going to have red hair and blue eye. I mean, that just it just it just is. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad or worse or better or anything. It just but you'll notice that if you look around, boy, there are a lot of redheads here. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with this. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm familiar with like uh, parts of Montana where it's like large percentage of Irish Americans. Um, where my family's from, but yeah, uh, Irish and Welsh, but, um, yeah, this is, a yeah, it's, it's a higher percentage than I'm used to. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, honestly, so you're going to find, so, so like you see that bar over there, yeah. the, the crowbar, uh-huh. that's the name of it, the crowbar. Honestly, if I went in there and I kind of, they ran me off, they were polite, but you know. It's basically they cater to redhead, blue-eyed people. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I do have a, a saying that I, I, I borrowed from someone. Uh, I'll never, uh, to paraphrase them, uh, I, I don't ever want to be a club that will accept me. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's probably probably true. Now, let's talk about some places to eat. Okay, I, I'm hungry. Uh, at some point in time, I'm going to need to eat. I mean, I can cook at home, but hey, <laughs> well, so I'm packing and or unpacking and everything like that. What do we got? So if you go down there, it's a, now it's at the end of, of uh, Park uh, Park Avenue, uh-huh. that is the food pot. So just like Portland's got food carts, we have food carts. But um, the best. Uh, and so there's only six because, you know, much smaller. The best, though, is Louis Luau. Okay. Not necessarily cheapest, not nearly the healthiest, but if you like Polynesian food, mm-hmm. that's the place to go. Nice. And and Louis, so Louis, he's, he's a good, he, he basically walks around. Uh, you know what a, a lava lava is? No. So, okay, so Louis, a uh, quarter... Samoan, quarter Tongan, uh, quarter Hawaiian, and quarter uh, Vatu Island. And if you've ever seen the men, and they walk around in these very, they're usually like red or blue with white flowers. Wrap, it's wrapped around, so they don't wear pants. They wear this and it wraps around around their uh, their legs. Okay. And, and Louis does that, but any other person, the rednecks would make fun of for mm-hmm. wearing a skirt. This guy's huge. Even the rednecks, they don't they don't mess with Louie. All right. So, but he is also, to best of my knowledge, he is the only um, uh, ordained cargo cultist priest in the continental United States. Nice. And um, so, as such, one of the saints, deities. And maybe we get a minute to talk about it or something. Uh, but um, is John Fromm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know anything about John Fromm. I know about cargo cults. <laughs> so so John Fromm is the chief deity or prophet or saint. And, and they think that he probably was a real person. Mm-hmm. That originally it was, hi, I'm John from America. Yeah. And so John Fromm, actually, there's a John Fromm day. And that's uh, February fifteenth. Okay. And he throw Louis throws the best John Frome party. So come February, uh, you know we we'll want to cover this. I mean, oh yeah. Dancing, they're singing, and there is this pineapple glazed pork that just melts in your mouth. Nice. Now, let's say though you maybe and, and it's good food, but let's say you want to eat a little healthier. Okay. So there is another cart there, and that is the Three Sisters, and it's run by three Native American triplets. And what they do, though, all the meals are original um, um, Native meals that are around uh, corn, or as they call it, maize, squash, uh, and beans. Okay. Uh, And it, it sounds really hip, but it's really good. It really is, and it's really good, really healthy. Um, if you're interested in, you know, just traditional Mexican food, uh, there's 
uh, Chewy's uh, Chupacabra. And there's also another uh, cart here uh, is um, the basic beat. And be, uh, Beatrix, I love her, uh, but her whole idea of cooking mm -hmm. is to keep it simple. Okay. So you order a hamburger, it's a hamburger. You order a cheeseburger, it's a cheeseburger. You know, maybe mustard or ketchup on it. You order a hot dog, you know, mustard and ketchup. She keeps it as simple as possible, but it's really good. Nice. And then um, over here, so a lot of people, when they first move here, uh, they think this is a coming from Portland, they think this is a strip club. Okay. But this is not. It's not. It's a, it's a dinner club. And this is the this is the big game club. Okay. And it basically, the guy who owns it was in Africa, and he is was this big hunter. And so you go inside, and there's a stage, and it's good food, and they use the presentation. But it's got all these taxidermied African animals, okay. elephants and gazelles. And I, it's not my style, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, in this, it, it's been here for a while. And it, again, it's one that gets a lot of traffic uh, from port, people from Portland. Hmm. Interesting. And then here, coming up, this on the building. This is, you know, sort of my uh, home away from home. This is the uh, KZOM. Oh, yeah. This is it. Uh, um, so I really, uh, so I don't, do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to talk a little bit about, uh, what radio free Oleander is? Oh yeah, no, gotta talk about, uh, I'm going to get my keys out while we, uh, fix, um, radio free Oleander is kind of the project that I was kind of move on. Uh, my partner, she got the job at the mansion and I told Dave about it, and Dave said, well, why don't you come do some stuff with KZOM? And I'm like, sure. So I talked to the station manager, and I'm going to be editing the best shows that they have into a podcast to get interest in a small town in Oregon. I don't understand what the station manager's talking about, but... Um, I don't remember their name right now. <laughs> I'm the awful. Big, the big guy. The big guy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Radio Free Oleander is kind of a, a best of the best show, kind of like the week in review and also community access, kind of like uh, people who want to send things in. They can always it's get your voice heard, be part of the community, and also kind of what the community has best to offer, kind of a... Um, Showcase, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And also, um, it's going to be a good way to, I don't know, highlight some of the stuff that Dave and I are working on with our cool new Dungeons & Dragons show, D&D &D Talk D&D. &D. Yeah, I just wish we could have maybe could have kicked you some few bucks on that instead of making a volunteer project. Yeah, well... <laughs> It's volunteer radio. <laughs> yeah, someday. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, and uh, if you want to check out the store, you can, since this is still hooked up to my podcast, uh, the same RSS feed, um, I wish I could have gotten some money so that I didn't have to use my own stuff, but because I'm doing this, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is currently taking a back seat, but you'll be able to get some official merchandise for the show to, uh, I don't know, maybe help me and Dave keep this thing going because we're not getting any money from the station. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, and, and I feel, I mean, it's, this is a depressed economy, you know, and, and I feel, I mean, there's places and, you know, if heaven, if I ever need an extra hand on the farm, by all means, you know, uh, I'd love to kick you a few bucks here. Oh, sure, definitely. There's only really two places to work. Here. I mean, there are. So there's supermarket stuff. But the two places that are hiring, one is, is literally a cult. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the, I don't know if you saw it, but that, that big brick building with the barbed wire, that's, um, the, uh, that is the people's telephonic temple. And they honestly, they are a cult. And they believe that the only way they get, the best way to get into heaven is to call people when they are eating or whatever and sell them things. Yeah. That shows you how pure, if you can do that, that's pure your, your soul is. <laughs> so like the top third, 
each week gets into heaven, and then the next third gets into limbo, and the bottom third goes to hell. And I don't I really want to think you want to work there. No, <laughs> no. What's the other choice? The other, you know, is the is the box factory, and you know, it's called, it's called boxed in. I mean, okay. But uh, how's it going? Or have you started that yet? Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm uh. Yeah, the other choice is the box factory. I put in my application, and I'm just waiting to get... I mean, the guy said, you're pretty much a shoe-in because you know. And I said, no, I don't know. And he said, you know, wink, wink. And I said, okay, so I assume you put in a good word for me or something like that. Oh, well, you know, hey, you know, a, a steady paycheck's a steady paycheck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what's... Uh, okay, so what's the building over there by the radio station? So that is that is the Oleander Oleander Hill Society. Okay. Is and and that's actually where I've also been doing some volunteer. And this has that's why I kind of am a self-proclaimed expert. Uh, ever since I found this thing underneath my goat farm, I've sort of been checking out the history of um, of, of Oleander. And it's um, basically it's it's kind of weird. It's it's an old um, it's it's an old fraternal order. Uh -huh. You see it, uh, and they got raided in. The, the, so we'll be talking in the show uh, about Justin Godfrey. He ran a a mental hospital about four or five miles, uh, and he was doing some terrible things. On, on the patients, and he got raided by the police or by the huh. FBI, and they took down. When they took him down, they took down the, this paternal organization. Okay. And the building sort of got taken over by the city, and it was given to the Oleander Historical Society, uh, and so it's run by a, uh, a guy named uh, Henry Artemich. Okay. And and um, it's fascinating, and I love spending my time there. But all the records are either pre-Pentium computers, okay. uh, microfiche, or just papers that are tossed into file cabinets. Uh, but there's, it's, a, it's a interesting. So that's where I've been sort of studying the history of, uh, of Oleander. Nice. Very cool. All right. So we've looked at the restaurants. We've looked at the call center cult. We've looked at the... I don't know. We've we've looked at the radio station. What else? What else does this town have to offer besides? Well, you know, and I don't know if you. I mean, if you like fishing or you know, just want to just um, the Clackamas River is really nice. Okay. Uh, and there is definitely uh, some really nice uh, shore uh, rafting off here off off Clackamas, uh, and I'm sure a lot more to sort of you know let you know about the people know about the town. Um, so the one thing though. Uh, and I'm sure that we'll be covering part of uh, KZOM, uh, is that because of COVID-19 and social distancing, and, and like I said, because people in uh, Oleander wear masks and wear class four hazmat suits, uh, it, disease isn't really, I mean, it's not as bad as a lot of areas, not as bad as say Portland, or definitely not bad like Seattle. Okay. But what they are going to do, and it's going to be with combining social distance and mask wearing, is that they are going to combine this month's uh, Renaissance Fair and Viking Day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, – community community bulletin board, we just glossed over that briefly. But, yeah, no, um, this stuff is going to – we're going to cover it. That's part of – Part of uh, Radio Free Oleander is at the end of each month, on top of doing a showcase of everything else, on top of having the Oleander Book Club included, we are doing a parade coverage on a radio station, which, um, not our idea, but uh, <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> did, did I ever tell you about the time that I led the Oleander Veterans Day Parade? I don't believe you have. No, so I'm, I'm not a veteran. I've never been in the military. Sure. But I made a wrong turn going down the supermarket, and I was in front of the parade, and the, the cop just, like, waved me on, and I just drove around in my Jeep, you know, trying to get a place to drive off like I was supposed to be leaving, and I waved people. That's fun. 
Yeah. So yeah. So they're they're actually combining Viking data. And, oh, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to say about Vikings. You've heard me go off on. on oh yeah. Viking. Yep. Yep. But um, and, and the Renfair, and so it's going to be old time plague doctor days. Okay. And so I don't know if you've seen the poster with the bird plague ma- mask, but uh, you know that's. Yeah, I didn't have my glasses on. I thought that was for a Portland Horror Film Festival from a couple years back, but you know. <laughs> and the uh, Horror Film Festival probably might want to check copyright laws. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's going to. I mean, and you know, Olander. Olander does lots of celebrations. Almost no one shows up. Yeah, so it kind of seems like a good idea that they're doing it. Uh, Doing it on the radio and the UHF station, and that is 42 on the UHF dial and 1130 on the AM dial if you want to listen to the parades on the last weekend of every month. See, you already said on the end. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've kind of done this a few times. I don't know if uh, everyone's familiar with my show, The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I literally have tens of listeners. Well, you'll probably double that with Olean, the population of Olean. Well, I hope so. I hope so. So, uh, let's see. Is there anything else we need to go over in this kind of, like, uh, impromptu tour of Oleander? Oh, I'm thinking you pretty much now know the the origin and history and hotspots of the uh, of the city. Um, nah, um uh, you know, I think we can definitely, uh, I'm sure that we'll bring up some stuff as it, as it continues. Oh, sure, sure. And just a reminder from uh, the city management, uh, the mayor wants to remind people, don't come to Oleander. We've got a health crisis, just like your town. Stay home, wear a mask, order stuff online, watch watch TV. Yeah, so, so, so the management is basically anything else. Any other city would call it a... Uh, you know, a city council or uh-huh. something, but they, it's the the mayor, uh, uh, chief of police. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about felony. She's on it on the board, and uh, they yeah they kind of make the rules here. Ah, interesting. So, so I remember that time a couple of months ago where uh, uh, he came in and the the cops hassled you. Yeah. Yeah. So so for. People who aren't familiar with the Oleander police, they had the chief of police, and he, this same guy for 40 years, since 1980, he's been, but he's the only paid person on the police force. Uh, everyone else is voluntary. Okay. And, and the best way to describe the Oleander police force, I think, is a community watch with uh, AR-15s and samurai swords. And this was, this was before COVID-19. Yes. Okay. But but see, so and you want to go in, and the, the wall is just covered with wanted posters dating back to like the 1890s. Okay. Um, but here's the 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 thing. Um, in the 1890s, Oregon law or Oregon legislature passed this weird thing that the statute of limitations does not apply in the city of Oleander. Or within three miles of, you know, the uh, 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 within the three miles of the, the city limit. Okay. So, no crime if it is illegal in Oregon. Uh huh. Th- there's there's never a statute of limitation on that. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about you know, you know your new hometown. Um, and, um, I don't know, I don't know if you Googled Oleander before you left or, or before you moved up here. Just, just, just the quick thing to see, uh, you know, where stuff was and if anyone famous ever lived here. <laughs> yeah. well, well, you know, the, I don't know, have you ever heard of the Oregon Triangle? Uh, that was a festival in the seventies, right? No, 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 no. You're thinking, you, you, you're thinking uh, the quadrangle. Okay. So okay. Oregon Triangle, um, it's basically Oleander, Gladstone, and Boring. Uh-huh. And yes, people who are listening there outside of 
of Oregon. There is a city called Boring, Oregon. And it lives up to its name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and strangely enough, actually, you know who Boring was? Whom? Boring was a uh, Civil War. He fought on the north side. All right. Oleander. Yeah. And after the war, he moved out to Oregon to basically become a timber baron. Okay. So there is, so there's always this rivalry between Oleander and Boring, you know, baseball, football teams. But their founding fathers had this huge rivalry because they fought on different sides of the war. Okay. So, but between Boring, uh, Gladstone, and Oleander, it's about 95 square miles. And like the Bermuda Triangle, it has the highest or it has a 2.5 times or two and a half times higher disappearance rate for someone, for an area that's rural and like this than anywhere else in the country. That's weird. And um, also, you know, um, oh, um, you know that Clackamas County mm-hmm. has the highest per capita of people who claim to have seen Sasquatch. Really? Anywhere in the nation. The highest is any county is... Is Clackamas County. I assumed it would have been Skymania, Washington, for some reason, <laughs> or uh, Skymania uh, County. <laughs> but they—they're uh, the ones who have the law that you can't shoot Bigfoot. Yeah, but but the high, yeah. So so we have. That's sort of strange. You ever, I never thought about this. These more of these people saw it, and they say shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, but of the cities in Clackamas County, the highest percentage per capita of seen. Uh, Sasquatch is Oleander, huh. and that may be that there's only a thousand people, or you, know, you get ten people. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, so and, and so there's just a lot of there's uh, you know the Oleander lights or which kind of uh, there's a lot of strange things happen in, in the the Oregon Triangle. Yeah, no, I have to say it would have been probably about like 2000, 2001, uh, going down. I want to say. It's not 97. It's not 217. Ugh, I can't remember which one it is. But uh, going from around like Boring to Oleander, uh, we had an alternator just straight up blow up, and um, it, it. I don't want to call it lost time, but it's time just moved differently while we were there, and it was just the weirdest thing. It took us forever to like flag anyone down. Um, no one wanted to stop and it was just, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, get, getting help from people in Oleander is like getting help from, uh, yeah, they, they, they did not like to, but it's, it's a lot like, uh, you know, you expect that uh, banjos are going to be playing or something. Yeah. You know, so, so, but um, you know, it's, it's a mix. But they're they're friendly people once you get to know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I I expected it to be a bit like the diner scene in uh, uh, brain not working. Easy writer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a, a good and, example. You know, I, I go in, I have food. You know, I, this is this is before COVID nineteen. Like driving through. I mean, I, I I grew up in Oregon, and I've been through Oleander a handful of times. And you always expect it to be like you see the grain silos by the train tracks, and you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of those towns. You drive through, you don't see anyone on the streets. It's like, oh, they're all at somewhere. I don't know. And it 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 always reminds me of like just kind of like one of those like spooky towns that you go through. And then once you get there, it's like, oh, it's just kind of like a small charming town it's not as spooky or weird as you think and i don't know maybe that's maybe that's beneficial it maybe keeps uh keeps the uh keeps the stragglers out keeps the keeps the uh yeah. outsiders outside <laughs> oh there's one last thing i gotta warn you sure so you know how portland has uh bikini bay barista coffee kiosk not really, but tell me about this. I, yeah, yeah, I thought that was a Seattle thing, but I guess they have them in Portland. I don't know. They got quite a few in Portland. Okay. So here in, we have Speedos. Speedos is where you can call up and get your, your coffee, but it's not necessarily fast 
that's not where they get the name. Oh, that's where I thought the name came from. No, no, it's basically a very large guy with a beard um, and wearing a pair of speedos. Well, how's the coffee? Oh, it's great. I go there myself. Okay. <laughs> it's great. It's like coffee. I mean, but uh, you just got to warn you, just know what you're getting into when yeah. you get there. Okay, cool. As long as the coffee's good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much our town in a nutshell. Oh wow! Well, that's great. I I can't wait to do some more uh, walking around and checking things out. Uh, let's hey, let's go get something to eat and talk about some Dungeons and Dragons real quick. Okay, okay, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll treat. We'll go to we'll go to Louis Luau. All right, sounds great. Welcome back to D&D with D&D. I'm Dave, and this is Daniel. Oh, other way around. Other way around. You're Dave, and I'm Daniel. And welcome... (laughs) Oh no, we didn't set up a uh, secret secret catchphrase for if one of us is a doppelganger, or if one of us suspects the other one is a doppelganger. All right. Well, next time. (laughs) So, this is the first, first, first inaugural episode... Well, inaugural, not the first inaugural. Inaugural episode of D&D with D&D. And I figured, in the spirit of me coming to town and getting my first job from the mayor, because, I don't know, something that comes with being the caretaker of the mansion is uh, I have to do tasks for the mayor. I don't know. I signed a contract. It's what's going on. The mayor asked me to get rid of some of the problems uh, with the uh, rats in Old Town. Um, and it made me think of Dave, of four-legged, four-legged rats. In case anybody's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the, uh, not the band. Um, but you know, and I, my, my, my big plan is uh, to put in uh, sonic devices and maybe like keep setting up sonic devices and push them into Gladstone. <laughs> so, so, no, so, so you, you know what we do at the farm? What's that? So first of all, we have barn cats. Okay. And we have amazing barn cats. Sure. But the other, the other is that there's this guy. He, he gives it. It's this, this. It's not a pesticide, but what it does is it makes them dehydrated. Huh. And so they go to the they go down to the creek, and they just live off the creek because they're thirsty. Okay. They leave our property alone. And yeah, you can get that any um, any pesticide person, and it's not poisonous if your dog eats it. It just is going to drink more water. Kids huh. They drink more water. So yeah, that's what we use on the farm. Wow. Okay. So yeah, in Portland, what I used was a sonic device that like actually worked. <laughs> yeah. So we because we, we got you know, the dogs and the goats, and mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. we just really can't do that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So. But. but yeah, I'll look it. I'll look it up. I'll, I'll give. I'll give you. I'll give you the number of a guy. Oh, cool, cool. Um, so the thing that I'm thinking about though is like in like games like say Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or something like that, and in some like D and D games, like your first quest will be clean out, clean out, clean out the rats in the uh, the basement of a bar or tavern or something like that until you know until uh, you get first you know, second level. And, uh, yeah, no, um, how, how do you like to start out your games? You're, you're a dungeon master. I've, I've been a dungeon master in the past. I uh, like to play a lot of F20 games. There's some GURPS, some Shadowrun, Call of Cthulhu in there. But, yeah, like, uh, what do you like to do to, like, start a game with new players? So, so I mean, rats are usually a good thing to put because... People know what rats are. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, it's not like all of a sudden I got to create this new thing, or you know, you see a dragon, and you know, new player A sees a ch- an Oriental dragon, and new player B, you know, sees a European dragon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We get what rats are. Yeah. Plus, you know, we've got this whole history of of the plague and of rats running through you know london so it kind of gets in that medieval setting okay so if you know having a rat or two in it and it makes sense okay you're underground there's a rat okay that makes sense a bunch of rats so you know rats are a good thing i think to start off not especially you got a new player or a new player to you. Sure, sure. And also, but it's that sort of it's a, a medieval setting. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I personally like to use rats. Personally, like uh, I was thinking about this, and it's like I have used rats because 
you know, I, I like to pay homage to those video games that I grew up with in the 80s and uh, 90s. And one thing that I think is you can really kind of like uh, in the video games, it's a lot generally a lot of times part of the tutorial teaching you how to swing your sword and move your character around. But I think when you do that, you can kind of like let the character know just within like the first time you're gaming, you can be like, this, uh, these are the procedures that you're going to want to do. You're going to want to spot hidden. You're going to want to do this. You're going to want to do this. This is a great way to learn how to set traps and do all that kind of fun stuff and kind of things that you're going to want to do for just basic stuff with your character, whether it be sneak, fight, tumble, whatnot, uh, using uh, all kinds of first and second edition D&D terms. <laughs> yeah, at, at a low-risk environment. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, learn your character without having to you know, put out too much risk, but also not too much reward either than some, maybe a gold, huh, maybe a couple of copper and some dead rats. <laughs> and, and, and another thing, and um, is rats can also, they make, if you want to bring in like magic and traditional witchcraft, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they make great familiars yeah for for like the evil wit and i remember uh it wasn't one that i ran but it was one my friend ran and he was telling me about it you know that there was this witch and they just every time they stab it there was some sort of magic it would only do like one point of damage mm -hmm. and then someone realized it's the familiar so they had to go after the rat while she's casting spells and the rat's trying to run away and, you know once they finally hit the rat it destroyed the witch Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're a Call of Cthulhu player out there, I know this isn't COC with D&D, &D, but, you know, uh, Dreams in the Witch House with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. That's uh, Brown Jenkins. Brown, Brown Jenkins, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the other one, of course, you know, and which I, you know, I use a lot of Lovecraft in my D&D, &D, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, is... Um, Rats in the wall. Yeah, and and that's so. I think that makes this really sort of creepy environment because I like to try to make D and D creepy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you got these because in D and D, well, it could be a rat, but it could also be a weird rat. Yeah, or it could <laughs> be a monster. So you know, here is these rats that are scratching at the wall, but maybe you're not. Maybe they're not rats, and so, you know, but if you start, you know, do you want to start hacking apart, you know, the, the end you're staying in to try to get into the walls? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. just the noises that rats make. Oh, yeah. Because you can't see them. You can't hurt them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that'll, that'll put a player right on their on the edge, on the nerves. You know, the, the, the rat noises, the, the, the scratching. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 a that's a good point there, Dave. Yeah. No. um Rats, rats can be used also as like, uh, kind of like almost I think of like a indicator that you've reached kind of the next level. It's like at some point in time you use rats to be like, oh, hey, you're, you guys, you're not ready to fight real things. Then after they've been fighting real things for a while, you throw out some rats, but maybe you make them blink rats or <laughs> trans-dimensional, yeah, plague rats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was thinking too. Um, you know, thinking also, um, most like your druids, you know, your shapeshifters, they want to put a, an animal and they want to check out the town. They usually pick like a cat or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you know, rats blend in. Yeah. I mean, you got to be watching out for snakes, I guess, and cats. <laughs> you, know, you know, nobody's nobody's really going to suspect that rat as being a spy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, why is that hawk flying into that window in the middle of night? <laughs> in the middle of winter? <laughs> yeah. That's the wrong season for that kind of bird. <laughs> I bet it's a wizard. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, um... Uh, that's that's the end for this segment right here, D&D &D with D&D. &D. Uh, anything you want to say before uh, we head off into that... Uh... I'm I'm gonna throw out this sort of scenario. And sure. Again, this kind of, and we talked a little bit about it was a short story too, because and and with the video games, I'm not as good a video game as you. Sure. I make the person walk in the walls. You okay. Know, person it is. You bet. But I I want people who are thinking, you know, I gotta make a rat adventure. 
is it's a short story and I, by Stephen King. I think it's called Rats. Okay. Uh, and not to freak you out because this happens to be your job. But, <laughs> so, so there's this guy, and you could be a you know, and it's modern times or 70s, 80s, whenever he wrote it. But you could easily sort of make this into a, um, you know, a medieval adventure. Um, and this guy is hired to clear out all these rats in the factory. Okay. So he, he gets this uh, he gets this uh, a, a fire hose, and he goes down and he starts you know he starts hitting the the, the rats with the fire hose. And as he goes farther down in the complex, they become mutant and, and strange. Huh. And then at the end, there's like the queen rat is like three times bigger than him. It's all mutant. Uh huh. And that that make a that make a good adventure. That would make a good adventure. You've even got the boss battle at the end. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then in the story, as I remember, and it's been decades since I read, but the, so he's going after it with the, he says, you know, he's going to put up the fight and go after it. But uh, the, the, the rats, the rat children, they come and they, uh, they bite the hose and he loses all water pressure at the end. Oh, wow. Yeah, that may not be how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, you know, so there, there's a, a D&D uh, scenario hint for, uh, for the day. All right. Cool. Well, hey, everyone, thanks again for listening to D&D with D&D. And I hope next time that we'll have a catchphrase or a sign-off phrase. <laughs> but until then, may the dice be with you. And also with you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the inaugural episode of... I don't know, this show, Radio Free Oleander. You got a quick tour of part of the town. You're going to get more of that in the future. Don't worry, it's not just a tour of the town and then me and Dave talking about D&D. There's more to it. Dave's going to talk about stuff he likes. I'm going to talk about stuff I like in our own segments. It won't always be about the town. There's going to be readings. And yeah, you're going to like it. Or you're going to listen to something else. And remember, you can help the show by listening to our sponsors. Currently, we are without sponsors. So if you want to help sponsor the show, if you have a business that's international and on the web and really doesn't uh, benefit from a brick-and-mortar store, do we have a deal for you? Contact us at PGTTCM and we'll set you up. Hey, do you want to send in some information? Do you want to share something that you think we might like? Do you have a story you want us to read? Do you have some artwork you'd like to share? Do you have a jingle or a song that you think would fit with our show? Do you have some local history that we may have missed? Do you have a, uh, we want to spotlight a, uh, local citizen of Oleander that you think people might want to know about. Do you have a story about Oleander? We want to hear that stuff. You want to hear all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll tell you the background information and uh, you can add on to it. You can tell us. Contact me or David Heath. I'm D.B. Spitzer. You can contact us on uh, Facebook through... Oleander Public Radio, or Radio Free Oleander, or Oleander Book Club, or whatever we've got going on on the Facebook right now. Just look for Radio Free Oleander, and you'll find us. All right, thank you again for me and David Heath. I think me and Dave recorded something, but I'm missing that tape for some reason. Maybe it's down in the bunker. All right, stay tuned to hear... And, uh, yeah, here's a little bit of uh, community bulletin board just to let you know what's going on in Oleander. And thank you for listening to our showcase. Uh, station manager, please don't fire us. I know we said that we were going to have a lot more sections than this, but this is our very first episode. And those of you who are listening who aren't the station manager, review, rate, and subscribe. So Dave and I don't get kicked off this show. Thank you so much, and have a pleasant day. Oleander rules! Sometimes. You're listening to 11.30 a.m. Oleander Community Radio. Here's...
members of the community bulletin board of what's going on this week. Thank you for listening. All, all, all events have been canceled due to COVID-19. Parade's coming up. And uh, editor's note, I wasn't drunk in that last part. The audio was slowed down due to uh, processing errors. Thank you. Radio Free Oleander Radio not really going to be the, the theme song. We, you can write something. You can send it in. Or I can do another one. Thank you for listening. This is 1130 AM, KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. The time is whatever it says on your phone. The weather is whatever it is outside. Public radio. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio.